Hi, Alan Doherty here with another episode of Preventive Health and Safety. So glad you could join me today. We're going to be talking today about a really interesting subject. It's actually kind of uh, a way to look deeper into some of the risk factors that we've been talking about. You know, the truth is that life presents a certain amount of risk. There's nothing really we can do about some of them. We call those uncontrollable risk. Things like age, family history, things like that. Uh, we just don't really have much to do with those risks. But the risks we're concerned about are the ones we call controllable risk. And we're going to talk about today how some of those risks tie together and that if you really dig deep down into the risk of certain of these health conditions, you'll find out, number one, that a lot of them are rarely preventable at very early stages. And number two, a lot of the risk factors are very common in several of the health conditions that we're talking about. Now, when we're talking about mortality and the cause of death, for people in the United States, it always starts off with the number one, and that's heart disease, of course. Number two is cancer. Number three has been added since the COVID uh, pandemic, and that, of course, that was the COVID, uh, the, the COVID virus that came around and, and killed multitudes of people here in the United States. Number four, accidents. Think about that. We're talking about preventive health and safety, and a lot of people wonder why there's so much to do over safety. The fourth leading cause of death in the United States are unintentional accidents and injuries from those accidents. Then number five, we have stroke. Number six, we have chronic low respiratory diseases and pulmonary hypertension and things like that. Number seven, Alzheimer's. Number eight, diabetes. Number nine is liver disease. And number 10 is kidney disease. So if you look at all those, they... You know, there are different health conditions, but we're going to see here in a minute that a lot of those tie together. Now, I want to talk about number 10, kidney disease. Now, why am I talking about that? Well, I actually have spent the last 30 years working in dialysis, so I know a little bit about kidney disease. I know a little bit about the patients that end up with end-stage renal disease and have to do dialysis. It's very sad. You hear a lot of them talking about how they were looking forward to retirement and looking forward to really traveling and doing things after they finished work. And then they come down with end-stage renal disease and have to dialyze uh, either in a clinic or at home, which even though we've made big progress steps in helping patients live more free and more active lives, it's still puts a damper on many of the plans that some of these patients had. So it's, it's quite sad. But when we're talking about kidney disease, I want you to think about this for a minute now. 67%, about 67% of the patients that are on dialysis today ended up with end-stage renal disease because of either diabetes or hypertension. Diabetes or hypertension. And by the way, let's add another word to that. Uncontrolled diabetes and hypertension. In other words, had that diabetes been controlled and had the hypertension been controlled, they might not have gone into end-stage renal disease and thus needed to be on dialysis. I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting when you think about it, that, that one of the, the, health conditions that affects millions of Americans 
and uh, people all over the world, of course, but just speaking about America, millions of Americans have been affected by end-stage renal disease, and millions more will. I mean, the projections are just astronomical. And uh, two-thirds of those could be, or at least a portion of those two-thirds, could be prevented if the diabetes and hypertension were controlled. So you start looking about that now. You say, well, okay, we got diabetes and hypertension. Well, let's let's take it down another step. Let's take a look at some of the risk factors for diabetes and hypertension. Well, of course, when you start talking about that, you start talking about weight, don't you? Being overweight is a risk factor in diabetes and in hypertension. So that's something that we need to be concerned about. You say, well, obviously we don't want to be overweight, but the truth of the matter is uh, we're in serious trouble here in the United States with our obesity problem. Uh, You look around at even our young people today, and we have a tremendous problem with obesity. I think a lot of it's due to the fact that we have less active lifestyles. Uh, Many of these children would rather sit in the house and play video games and go out and play ball like we used to back in the old days. Uh, so, and then people are so wrapped up in work, they're so tired by the time they get home. We don't eat properly. It's easier to get fast food or prepare something that's, that's really quick and not very nutritious. When you start adding all those things together, not to mention the fast food places and all the snacks and things that you can buy in the grocery stores and people living on pizza and hoagies, Hey, it, 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 it's no wonder why we have the obesity problem that we have. But think about it now. Obesity is a risk factor in diabetes and in hypertension. And diabetes and hypertension are both risk factors in end-stage renal disease. So you see how this, this works. It's, what I'm trying to get across today, if I can't get across anything else, is the need to really think about the basic things in health that can keep us from developing some of these serious health conditions. Now, when you talk about hypertension, you talk about something else too. Of course, you talk about smoking. Uh, You talk about sodium intake and other things like that. There's all kinds of reasons for hypertension. As a matter of fact, uh, some hypertension, primary central hypertension, a lot of times they, they actually can't find any reason for it. It's just you have it. But again, the key word is being controlled. You see that that high blood pressure gets in there and does damage in the kidneys because the pressure on those vessels are so high. If you have it controlled, if you're taking medication, if you're watching your diet, if you're getting more exercise, and you're doing things to make sure your blood pressure is controlled, then there's a good chance that either you will slow down the process of having kidney failure, or not have it at all. So again, think back a little bit. Go down a little bit further on the list of risk factors, and you'll find that you're going to be able to conquer quite a few just by some of the basic things. So we said smoking is also a risk factor in hypertension. Did you know that smoking is also a risk factor in so many pulmonary diseases, including lung cancer? Something else that we need to think about, because we still have thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the United States still smoking. And now we've turned to electronic cigarettes or vaping, which doesn't really prove to be much healthier. 
See, it's, it's all about minimizing risk. It's all about saying, hey, here, I want to live a long time. I want to have a long, healthy life. I don't want to get one of these diseases or health conditions that's going to limit my lifestyle, that's going to destroy my life or, and shorten my life. Well, then we've got to start really thinking about these risk factors. We've got to start thinking about doing the things that's necessary to stay as healthy as we can with these so-called little things so that we don't develop risk factors for things like stroke and heart disease and things of that nature. When you think about diabetes, again, it's also a cause, a risk factor for strokes and heart disease. So we're looking at we're looking at all these things and say, what a commonality, right? I mean, when you look at, I guess you could say that the risk factors for poor health or developing any type of condition can really be boiled down to doing the things that we know we need to do to decrease that risk. You think about liver disease. That was number nine, right? When we talk about liver disease, very, very uh, a disabling disease and causes many people to die. Obviously, it's the ninth cause of death in the United States. Liver disease is also affected, of course, by alcohol. We know that. But it's also uh, risk factors in liver disease also can include smoking, obesity, and diabetes. So, Alan, you're, you're, you're rambling on and on here about all these conditions and all these things. What are you actually trying to say? I'm trying to say that we need to make sure that we're controlling the controllable. You can't control the uncontrollable, but you can control the controllable. So let's take all these and just look, for example. Okay, so so here I am. I, I have some of these, and I want to start taking steps to make sure that I don't develop these health conditions that you're talking about. How can I proceed? All right, well, let's start off. Number one, <laughs> you need to have regular physical examinations. You need to make sure you're going in to see your physician on a regular basis. Now think about this. When you go in to see a physician, many times they're going to catch high blood pressure. So let's just stop there for just a second. By the way, you don't have to wait to go to see the physician to check your blood pressure. Almost every store, major store like Walmart, uh, and the CVS and Walgreens and other uh, pharmacies and drugstores, almost all of them now have a blood pressure machine where you can check your blood pressure right there. So you can take some responsibility for that. Check that blood pressure and see what it's like, especially if you have a family history of it. Mom had high blood pressure, dad had high blood pressure. Guess what? You may have high blood pressure. So check it as often as you can. And make sure you tell the physician about the readings that you've gotten at these various places. And when you go see your doctor, he's going to check and see. Now, say you get in there early enough, the doctor finds out you have high blood pressure, runs some tests to see if he can identify any causes, and takes care of those, and basically puts you on some medication to help keep your blood pressure down. may start off with a diuretic just to get rid of some of the extra fluid. That's often... All is necessary to get that blood pressure down. Sometimes it takes a little bit more medication. 
But whatever it takes, it certainly is worth it because now you're minimizing a risk. You're decreasing a risk. You're getting that risk out of the way. Hypertension, it can cause heart attack. It can cause stroke. It can cause uh, end-stage renal disease. It can cause all kinds of things. So you want to get that blood pressure down, right? Same with diabetes. You got diabetes in your family? That's something you need to be continually watching. So... When you go in to see the physician, obviously they do labs. They're going to check your blood work. As you get older, they do something called a hemoglobin A1C, and they're able to see what your blood glucose has been over a period of time. And then if it's elevated, then they can do more tests to see what type of problem you're having that your blood glucose is a little bit high. And they can treat it. (laughs) And so bingo, again, a trip to the doctor can also help with that and then any other medical conditions that you might have you might have some things that are very easily treated and very easily taken care of and when you go into that physician and get that examination and get those blood tests done bingo you're in good shape think heart disease let's go back to that again you have heart disease start going in early and make sure you're always getting that exam done and be upfront and honest with the physician. Well, every once in a while I get winded when I walk up the stairs or I just get a little discomfort in my chest once in a while. Okay, well, then they're going to start doing some things. Maybe they'll do a stress test to see how well your heart functions when it's being stressed. Then they find out, oh, there's we saw some things in your stress test we don't like. They may want to go further and do some other procedures. I know I started off early uh, and in my 40s, I had a quadruple bypass. Why? I was having problems. I saw my physician. The physician then ordered some tests. The test came back that I needed to have open heart surgery and four bypasses. And boy, that's been 20 some years ago and I'm still kicking because I took the time to make sure that I was going to erase all the risk factors I can. I'm not going to run around with four blood vessels in my heart that need to be replaced and not get that done. I'm not going to have chest pain or be winded when I walk long distances and not say something about it to my physician because I want to reduce those risk factors. You don't want to live with that. You don't want to play chance. You don't want to play Russian roulette with your life and your health. You got to get to the place where you take it seriously. All right. So you make sure you have these regular visits with a physician. And then basically, I really have trouble believing that Americans haven't heard how important it is to maintain an active lifestyle and eat healthy foods. I mean, leafy green vegetables, man, they're, they're so good for you. How much of that do we have in our diet? How many meals do we go and not really have any leafy green vegetables? Or how many meals do we go we don't have any vegetables at all? I mean, well, let's see, french fries, is that a vegetable? I don't think so. You see what I'm trying to say? <laughs> You say, I get my pizza loaded, there's vegetables all over it. You know what I'm talking about. A good, healthy meal. Uh, And it doesn't take anything to find out what you should be eating. All you have to do is go on Google and say, hey, let me have uh, uh, some foods that are really good for you. I do that all the time because I love to snack. Ah, boy, I do that. And and I'm so bad. I just, I'm not hungry. I just want a snack. And so I started looking up healthy snacks. Why, you know, potato chips aren't healthy. No, they're not. 
and cookies and things like that, they may taste really good and they may have stuff in it to make you want to even have more, but they're not good for you. So I started looking up healthy snacks and lo and behold, I love to cook broccoli, Listen, cook broccoli and cauliflower. And then I put it in the refrigerator. And when I want a snack, sometimes I'll either eat it cold and put a little bit of oil and vinegar dressing on it, just a little bit, or maybe just put, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, some allspice, something just to give it a little bit more taste. And voila, I, I have something I can munch on in the evenings now. Celery. It actually takes your body more calories to digest celery than celery has. I mean, it, it does have some fluid. But uh, it, that's not bad for you at all. You don't have to worry about it unless you dump a bunch of salt on your celery. Then you got fluid and sodium, and that's not a good combination. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is there are alternatives, and I think that we're smart enough to know that. Same with drinking and smoking. We know those things can be harmful to you. You say, well, I just drink a little bit. I'm not saying that drinking a little bit is bad for you. I'm not going to say that. I'm not saying having a glass of wine once in a while or a beer once in a while is going to kill you. But I am saying this. If you drink to excess you're increasing your risk of having some type of liver disease and possibly other disease. Smoking, I'm not even going to get into that. If you smoke, you know what it causes. I've seen, you've seen these commercials where this poor lady is just emaciated. I mean, she looks like a skeleton with skin. And then she talks with that little device because her larynx is gone. She's had throat cancer and had numerous surgeries. And then she starts talking about her day, how she gets up and gets dressed and sits and looks out the window because she can't really do anything else. I don't want to live like that. Do you want to live like that? Is it worth it to have that, smoke those cigarettes? No, it's not. See, we know what we need to be doing. You start getting that, that spare tire around your belly and you start putting some weight on. You say, well, it's just five or 10 pounds. It's just. 15, 20 pounds, yeah, it is, but it can cause serious health issues. <laughs> Let me say this. This is going to sound really pathetic, but no one ever got obese before they were overweight. Say that again? <laughs> what I'm trying to say is you don't just go from being normal in the BMI category up to obese. You do it gradually, right? You start getting a little bit overweight, a few pounds here, a few pounds there, few more pounds, few more pounds, and now you're way over in the obese category. So what I'm trying to say is if you start early and, and, and purpose in yourself, hey, I'm getting up in my 30s and 40s, I'm getting up in my 40s and 50s, I'm getting older, it's harder to lose weight when you get older, I'm going to start now making sure, I, and, and not a crash diet, come take these pills and you can lose 20 pounds in two weeks. Well, even if you can, that's not going to last. It has to be lifestyle changes. It has to be getting out there and, and getting active again and taking walks and, and maybe playing some tennis or racquetball or even golf. You know, just go out there and golf a little bit. Leave the cart at the clubhouse and walk it. Do whatever you can to get a little bit of exercise in so that you can get that metabolism going and you can burn up a few calories and then eat right. Say, this is important. You know, I, I grew up practically on pasta and that's, one of my big things. And I've been trying so hard just to have a meat and a vegetable. And usually I have chicken or fish. Uh, and I'm not saying that you have to do that. That's just my regular diet. And that's what I try to live by. 
as best I can. I'm not saying that I don't every once in a while have something else. I love spaghetti. <laughs> I really do. Uh, lasagna and everything else like that that's Italian. I love it. But in, in, in our lifestyle and our basic diet, we should make sure that it's pretty, pretty centered around good health and nutrition. And then every once in a while we have something like that. It's not going to hurt us so bad. But if you live on pasta and you live on sweets and you live on fast foods and processed foods, chances are you're going to have some serious health risk later on down the line. So what are you saying, Alan? I'm saying this. Start doing some deep dives. You say, ah, here I am, 45 years old, and you know I'm as healthy as a horse, and I don't have to worry about anything. I'm not worried about the number one leading cause of death, heart disease, which the truth is you may have hypertension. You may be a little bit overweight. You may be smoking. You may have some of these risk factors that don't seem very important because they're way down here. But eventually, it's going to get you because you didn't pay attention to your health risk. So, let's do some deep dives in your life. Look and see what you may be able to change, add, or get rid of that will help you minimize your risk. Because I don't want you getting any of these terrible health conditions. They're going to affect your life, they're going to traumatize your life, or they're going to end your life. It's that important. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Tell your friends to listen to this. I don't ever try to sell anything. I don't ever try to get you to join anything. I'm just trying to help. And you can be a help too by having others tune into this podcast and have them listen and learn some things. You might have some friends that you know have some some pretty high risk factors and they don't think about these causes of death. And by the way, one more thing. <laughs> I'd say one more thing usually three or four times. One more thing. Most, almost none of the people, let's put it that way, almost none of the people that end up with some of these things ever said, you know what, I'm probably going to get kidney disease. I'm probably going to die of a heart attack. I'm probably going to have a stroke. I'm probably going to have liver disease. We don't say that because we don't think about the risk that are involved in these various risk factors we've talked about. So, Listen in again next week. Have another episode for you. Invite your friends and have them listen, and you may be saving their health or their life. Thank you very much.